So we are so glad you're here today. Uh, I'm Pastor Dan. Uh, I don't look anything like Shane, as you noticed. And uh, so uh, I'm a little taller than he is on stage. But that's, that's the main difference. So today we're going to talk about this idea of prayer. And I'm so excited about it because here's why. Jesus never taught his disciples how to preach. He only taught them how to pray. Did you know that? He never taught them how to preach. And you can see that in my life, right? He never, you know, he, you know, he did teach me how to pray, but he didn't teach me how to preach. And that's, that's the reality. That's the truth. And so prayer then becomes a very important part of how I live the dynamic and powerful life that God wants me to live. Prayer is crucial. And it's crucial that I understand that prayer is uh, very sacred and it is very, very specific. And Jesus specifically teaches us how not to pray and how to pray. And I'm going to start with the idea that most of us in our prayer lives have kind of the, what I call the grocery list approach. You know what I mean by that? We have our prayer lists. And, uh, and so we just come before God and we, we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask and we ask. And oftentimes we get frustrated because God doesn't answer a lot of our prayer lists kind of stuff. If anybody like that here today? Frustrated with you still have the same names on your prayer list and same things. And, and so I want to show you why today. And I want to show you a different way to pray that I believe will revolutionize how you approach the Christian life and how you approach God himself. So I'm not going to try to convince you to pray because if living in a world of heartache and pain doesn't move you there, I don't know what else I can do. If the reality of your life doesn't drive you to prayer, then, uh, then you're missing something in the process. Before we go too far, I want to establish three things so about prayer, and then we're going to actually look at the words of Jesus today. So the first thing that I want to share with you is that, truthfully, in prayer, we're not supposed to seek a feeling. Feelings come and go. Feelings aren't the measure of truth. Feelings aren't the measure of whether you touch the heart of God. That's not true at all. In fact, you know what's interesting is, is that oftentimes when people come to church, they measure how the services went by how they made them feel, right? You know, if you felt inspired or you felt good, you know, you walk out and say, that was a great service. And I'm going, well, that's nice that you felt that way. But the reality is, is what I want to know is how did God think about it? What did God think? And so feelings become something that we let have too much control over our obedience and over our lifestyle and over how we pray. So I'm just saying, start with this idea that prayer isn't about seeking a feeling. It's just not. Nowhere in Scripture can you find that. Secondly, don't make answered prayer your focus. Don't make answered prayer your focus. It's the, you know, the bottom line is, is that I, I have talked to many people and lots of people who have lost their faith along the journey because they made answered prayer their focus. And when God didn't do exactly what, he, what you thought he would do, then it causes a level of frustration. So don't make answered prayer the focus of your prayer. It's not what it's about. So what is prayer about? That's the question that I want to look at for just a few minutes. Prayer is the conduit for God's power in your life. That's what it is. It's not a feeling. You don't focus an answered prayer. It's a conduit for God's power 
in your life. So I want you to make sure you're absorbing that. That's so important for you to hear me say. So one of my favorite authors is a guy by the name of Watchman Nee. And uh, he's an amazing Chinese evangelist, was a Chinese evangelist. And uh, he's an old dead guy now. And so he said this, and this is so good. He said, prayers, uh, our prayers lack the, our, our, the, our prayers lay down the tracks for God's power, which God's power can come, like some mighty locomotive. His power is irresistible, but it cannot reach us without rails. And rails are the mechanism that God uses. Prayer is the mechanism that God uses to grant his power in our life. So no power, probably no prayer or the wrong kind of prayer. So let's start with that, those premises. And then let's see what Jesus has to say about prayer this morning. So all morning, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 6. So if you brought this ancient book called the Bible, uh, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 6. If you brought a device, you can follow along or it'll be on the screen. Either way, I love it when you bring your Bibles to church and take notes in it because then you go back five years from now and you go, whoa, wow, I took a note there. In kind of an amazing moment for you, right? So let's look at what Jesus says about prayer. So Jesus takes his disciples aside and he's going to teach them how to pray, not to preach, how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 says, When you pray, do not babble on and on as the Gentiles do. Stop there for just a second. Absorb that thought. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. He says that twice. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need before you even ask him. So understand that. Before the words come out of your mouth, your Father in heaven knows exactly what you need in life. He knows exactly what he's going to do, and so he is sovereign and powerful, and so he wants us to ask. But the reality is, is that he already knows, so you don't have to, you don't have to babble and babble and babble. You don't have to repeat yourself over and over and over again because your Father in heaven has a plan he's working in your life. Then Jesus introduces to us this thing that we call the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' Prayer. And uh, he says, pray like this. This is the opening statement. Pray like this. Now, I say that to you because I want you to notice some things. He doesn't say, we're going to look through, we're going to walk through the Lord's Prayer this morning, and I'm going to show you how you can change how you think about prayer. But notice with me very, the very first thing. He doesn't say repeat these words. The Lord's Prayer isn't something that I just pray in a mindless way, just reading or, or memorizing it and repeating it over and over again. That's not the point. There are six issues in the Lord's Prayer that are life-changing and powerful and what you need to understand about how dynamic prayer really is. So he says, pray like this. So he's going to show them a model of six issues that is so powerful. The first issue that we come to is the issue of worship. We start right out of the chute with God explaining to us, Jesus explaining to us, how we are to approach our Father in heaven. So this is what Jesus says. Pray like this. Our Father, the one who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's so much in this passage of Scripture that we could just spend our entire morning on it, but I'm just going to give you some teasers for you to think about. First of all, literally, it says, let your name the word hallowed there literally means let your name be set apart in my life. Let your name be set apart. 
So as I approach God in prayer, I approach it from a worshipful standpoint. I'm talking about letting God's name be exalted in me. So when my children were small, uh, we played a game that, uh, and, and this is kind of the game, I, I, don't, I, I made it up, but I, I think probably other people do it too. Uh, they would come and sit in my lap and I would take pennies. I was poor in those days. And so I would take pennies and I'd put them in my fist. And uh, we played, let's see if you can open my fist game. And so they would one by one, and by the way, the international rules for opening the fist is once the finger is opened, you can't close it. That's the international rule. I don't know if you knew that or not, but I'm just explaining the rules. And so they would uh, pry my fingers as hard as they could to open them, and, and eventually I would give up and just let them, ha- you know, let them have their way. And they would, you know, they would get all the pennies, and they would joyfully and gleefully run off into the sunset with all their three cents you know, to spend <laughs> at whatever they're going to spend. And, and, uh, and they won the game, so that was awesome right for them. And so I think sometimes, some ways, that's how we approach God for what's in his hand. And we're trying to pry it out. We're somehow trying to figure out how to pry the hand of God open when the reality is, is that what we need is the hand of God itself, not what's in it. We don't need things. We don't need grocery lists of things. Because here's what I've noticed. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just weird. And, you know, you be the judge of that. I don't care. Um, here's what I've discovered in life about, about people and me in general is that we get these grocery lists and when God answers them, some of them he answers, some of them he doesn't answer the way we want him to answer. And, uh, and then we start a new list and then it goes over and we're perpetually in this mindset of this list. And I'm just simply saying that's not what prayer is about. Prayer is not about a grocery list. It's not about bringing all of these things before God repeatedly over and over and over again. Now, I'm not saying you can't pray for your needs. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that's not the focus of what prayer really is. The focus of prayer, and this is what's life-changing about this, is the focus of prayer is about learning to touch the heart of God and touch God with who you are and what you're saying. That's the purpose of prayer. And it unlocks the power of God in your life. And it starts with a dynamic of worship in our lives. We start, we start by lifting up the name of God. Not by our grocery list, but lifting up the name of God, exalting his name in, a, in creative and powerful and special ways. And, you know, you can be as creative with that as you want. But what you want to do is let his name be hallowed in your life. And notice with me that all prayer begins with a very important word, and that important word is Father. Do you understand how powerful that word is? You know, we sing about the power in the name of Jesus, but in reality, there is power in us uttering the words Father to God. I mean, let's, come on, parents, let's be honest. When, you're, when your kids jump on your lap and look up at you and, and, and say, Daddy or Mommy, there's something in those words that does something inside of your heart, right? Hello, are you out there? Okay, I'm just checking if you have a pulse, okay? You know, we can call the paramedics in if we need to. But if you have a post, come on now, doesn't that touch your heart when you're, you know, and honestly, we can come before God and the familiar term is Abba, Daddy. 
Daddy, when we say, when we utter those words, there is something, if you did nothing else in prayer but utter the name of the Father over your life, it would be amazing. It really would. Just naming your father and just to understand that I've been adopted into his family and I am now, I am now one of his children and I, can, I have the right now to call him daddy is amazing. That's where you start in prayer. That's the first issue. It's worship. It's coming before God in a worshipful understanding of who he is. The second issue in prayer is the issue of surrender. The second phrase that Jesus says in this section of, on prayer is he says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there's several dimensions here that I need to just kind of mention here. The first dimension of this particular part of the prayer is that let your kingdom come is a cry out every day in our lives for the kingdom of God to come on this planet. So what we're really praying for in essence and the big picture thing is that we're praying for the second coming of Jesus. We're praying, Jesus, come to this planet, take over this planet, because this planet is broken and messed up and we need you. And so we're praying for the coming of Jesus every day. So come on now, let's just talk about it for just a second. I'm guessing that oftentimes that when you jump out of your bed, when you jump out of your bed and run to your day, I'm guessing that you haven't yet probably prayed, your kingdom come, Lord Jesus, come. Looking for the coming of Jesus is such an important part of our prayer life. But there's another dimension to this that also is true. It's the everyday dimension. And the everyday dimension of this is the idea of surrender to God. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in my life, in my friend's life, your will be done. I surrender. I now surrender to your will. Here's where we in prayer abandon our earthly ideas and passions and desires for the sake of his. We abandon our grocery list. We abandon that. And we begin to say, God, your will, your passion, what do you want to do? God, what do you want to do in my life? Not what do I want you to do? You see the difference? God, what do you want to do in my life? That's where dynamic prayer is going to change you as you learn to pray in that way. And as, eva as you evaluate your own prayer life, how much of it, come on, let's just be honest, how much of it is just a grocery list? And then you get frustrated and you, you give up and, you, and you know, oftentimes, and I'm just gonna tell you, the American church is a prayerless church compared to other parts of the world. We're a prayerless church because we don't get it. We don't get that it's the tracks to the power of God. And so you abandon your own desires and then you ask God for his desire in your life. And then the next thing that Jesus teaches us to, say, to pray every day is give us this day our daily bread. This is the idea of true dependence upon God. The idea of give us this day our daily bread is the idea this was a perishable thing. This was something that poverty people, would have, people who were living in poverty, had to pray for every day. They had to live in dependence upon God. They had to live in the sense that God, if you don't provide, it won't happen. Now, we have to live in dependence not only for our earthly things, but we live in dependence upon our walk with God, our sin life. And what I mean by that is that we don't want to have one, right? You don't want to have one, do you? Check your pulse here. Okay, you know, come on now. 
Just saying, you don't want to have one? I don't want to have one either. I don't want to have a sin life. But how do I live that life out? It's by living in a dependent relationship with the living God, a dependent relationship. So maybe you can relate to this prayer that I have prayed before, before, I, you know, all, before in my day. So far today, God, I've done, I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, uh, overindulgent. I haven't done any of those things. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help from then. Amen. <laughs> you relate to that prayer? Come on. Come on. Yeah. Right? So we live... We live in this idea, prayer is about living in a dependent relationship, acknowledging to God that you are in a dependent relationship with him. See the difference between a grocery list and that? That is so different than how we are accustomed to pray. The fourth issue is the idea of forgiveness. And this is huge. And he he teaches us to pray. Jesus teaches us to pray and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forget the, forgive those, forgive me in the same way that I'm forgiving others. That's the issue, uh, the essence of this prayer. And so I want to unpack this a bit because this is so powerful and so important. And this isn't something I do once in a while. This is a daily prayer. Forgive me of my sins in the same way that I'm forgiving others who trespass against me. Because here's the mistake that we make. Is that the mistake that we make, make is that we think that prayer somehow is punctiliar. That's a fancy word. It means point action. That it's in the past. That I've, I have forgiven. But forgiveness is not like that. Forgiveness is a linear process. And what I mean by that is it's not that I have forgiven. I am forgiving. Lord, forgive me. This is present tense. Forgive me in the same manner in which I am forgiving others. It's a constant thing. And so it's not that, you know, I don't know if you've had this experience, but sometimes I'll be driving down the highway and a song will come on the radio and I'll be thinking about it. And all of a sudden, a pervasive thought of something, somebody that did me wrong from the past. And I'll, you know, I'll go down that road and, and, uh, and I'll get angry and all frustrated. And, and uh, has that ever happened to any of you? And I, th- and I think, hey, I've forgiven that person. But the reality is, is it's not that I have forgiven, it's that I am forgiving. So, forgiving. so every time that that comes up, I choose to forgive again. So let me tell you a story that I think will drive this into your soul. Richard Moore of Northern Ireland was just 10 years old when a, he was blinded by a British soldier who fired a rubber bullet at him at point-blank range. He was on his way home from school and... Uh, and as for as long as he could remember, after that incident happened, for as long as he could remember, Richard wanted to meet the soldier who shot him. 30 years after the incident, he finally did. And, as he, was, and, and he was surprised by his reaction. Because when, could you imagine that at 10 years old, you were blinded by somebody's just stupidity? And so he was going to give this guy a, you know, a, a, a talking to. And, and after discovering where the soldier lived... And after meeting him face to face, the Holy Spirit came over him and he offered this guy forgiveness. He said, I forgive you. And here's what Richard said later about this experience. He said, something peculiar and wonderful happened to me in that moment of time. Something inside of me changed. Something paradoxical, paradoxical, changed inside of me. I began to realize that the gift of forgiveness I thought was, I was bestowing upon this soldier was really for me. 
Forgiveness isn't about releasing other people. It's about releasing yourself from the prison that you're living in. It's about you. That's why it has to be an ongoing basis. That's why you can't let, any, you can't let a moment go by with bitterness or anger or resentment in your life. So our prayer, God, is forgive me in the same manner that I forg- I'm forgiving, forgiving others. And so I know that in this auditorium, there are people, there are people that need to choose to forgive somebody. You're angry, and I, I know some people, people have said this to me point blank and said, you know, I will never forgive, and they name a name. I'll never forgive my ex-husband. I'll never forgive my ex-wife. I'll never forgive the abuser in my life. I'll never forget, and you fill in the blank, I'll never forgive them. And I want to say as long as you hold on to that, Here's two things happen to you. You hinder what God can do in your life. Number one, you hinder the power of God for you. You get that? You hinder the power of God. Prayer is this rail that unlocks the power of God. And as I learn to forgive, I learn to unlock that power of God in my life. And the second thing that happens that is just as dynamic is that that uh, not only do I get the power of God, but there's something in my soul that I cannot describe to you that happens when I choose to be an ongoing forgiver and I choose not to live in my bitterness and anger and resentment any longer, not for one day more. So there are people right now in your life, I'm sure that probably God is already tapping you on the shoulder right now and saying, hey, you need to choose to forgive. And I don't care how hard this it is, or how soft it is, I don't care how big it is or how small it is, forgiveness is forgiveness and you need to learn how to live as a child of God in the forgiveness of God and then forgiving in the same manner that God has forgiven you, you extend that forgiveness every day, no matter what has happened in your life, no matter who has done you wrong, no matter how deep it is, no matter how painful it is, you choose to forgive. Does that make sense? Unlocking the power of God. So prayer, again, is not this grocery list. If you want the power of God in your life, it is a process of going, God, forgive me in the same way that I forgive others. And I'm just saying, listen, you don't have to pray for an hour every day, but if you would take 10 minutes and you would walk through these issues that I'm talking to you, and by the way, if you haven't been taking notes, you can go back to our podcast, and I would recommend this would be one of those things you take notes on, not because I'm delivering it, because this is the power of God in your life. And if you want it, you've got to learn to practice this kind of prayer for yourself. Does that make sense to you? Come on now. Come on. So the fifth issue in prayer is Jesus says this, lead us not into temptation. Not that God is leading us into temptation. The original Greek expresses this is a, this is a, a, a complex complex construction but the reality is it's not that God tempts us it's that our prayer is God lead us away from temptation lead us away from temptation and deliver us from evil and that should be an ongoing thing because the reality is we live in a pretty ugly ugly place filled with sin filled with temptation filled with opportunity to do what's wrong all the time so Again, habitually, we pray, lead us not into temptation. So there's an author that wrote a book called Over the Edge, and it's, it, it's a book about the Grand Canyon, and it's, it chronicles the 700 deaths that have happened in, at the Grand Canyon since, you know, they opened it up as a national park. 700 people have died there, and some people have, you know, died 
you know, in non-stupid ways. And other people have died in really stupid ways. You know, like going to the edge of the Grand Canyon and going, hey, let's take a selfie, you know, is probably a very stupid thing to do, all right? Might be brave, it's just stupid. I'm just saying. You know, 700 people have lost lives, you know, along the way, and many of them, their life could have been saved had they not just, just taken the stupid chip out of their head and said, this doesn't make sense to walk over to a cliff that is so deep and so wide and so rugged and, I, you know, the ground could slip underneath me and I could go, wow, just like that, boom. I'm dead, man. I'm dead. I don't get a second chance. I don't get a redo. I don't get any of those things. I'm just dead. So with that thought in mind, the reality of this prayer is, Lord, lead me away from the stupidity stupidity in my life so that I can walk in a way that is righteous before your kingdom. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or the evil, for you are the kingdom and the power and the glory. Um, and so the sixth issue and the last issue is the idea of hope. And I'm going to camp on this one for just a few minutes because I believe that we live in an age that has lost hope. If you look around, I, there are people all the time, mental illness is on the rise there are many things going on in our culture that are just, they seem to be hopeless. We look at political issues, we look at social issues, we look at psychological issues, we look at just the sin problem in our world, the rebellion against God, and it seems to be hopeless. So I want you to listen to these last words that Jesus prayed. He says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Those are very hopeful words. Would you agree with that? Now, here's why they're hopeful. So many of you know that I love football. And many of you know that I am a 49er fan. Yeah, amen. You know, I, you know awesome. Thank you, Mom, out there. Yeah, it's great. But that's not what I want to tell you about. So I, I, I'm kind of weird. I'm just going to tell you. You be the judge. I'm kind of weird. This is what I do. So my 49ers are playing right now. I have to work here, by the way. Don't tell me the score. I don't want to know the score yet. Don't tell me the score. And for, uh, you'll know why in just a few minutes. So they're playing Pittsburgh today. And, um, and by the way, my wife is a Raiders fan, just so you know what kind of, yeah. What kind of suffering I've had to live with in my life. I'm just telling you that, you know, uh, you, know you know the cross that I'm now bearing. So I'm a 49er fan. And this is how it's going to play out this afternoon. I'm going to go home and I'm going to look at the score. And if the 49ers win, I'm going to watch the game. <laughs> and if they lose, I'll move on. I'll just say there's always next week, right? There's always next week. And you say, well, why, do I, why would I do it that way? Because when I know the outcome of the game, I can just watch the game and have fun. I don't get stressed out. I don't, you know, they could throw interceptions and I could say, wow, that was a bad play, but you're going to win. <laughs> right? I mean, it takes the anxiety of the game from here to down here, and you can just enjoy the game. You can fumble on the one-yard line and go, oh, well, that's, you know, that, that's a bummer, but, you know, you're going to win the game. You're going to win the game, right? I mean, is that weird on my part? You know, you probably say yes, but, but, uh, but I'm just saying it just, then I can just purely enjoy the outcome, and, and then... I can, anxiety, no, you know, down here, it's all good. And so, why did I tell you that story? Because, I don't know if you know this or not, I've read, this is secret, 
I've read the last chapter of the last book of the Bible. And guess what? Jesus wins. We win. We win, right? We win. Is that right? We win. And nothing, no matter how many times I fumble the ball, <laughs> no matter how many times I stumble and fall and, you know, just blow it, no matter how many times I say stupid things, no, how, no matter how many times I just mess up in life, guess what? I still win. And you know what happens to me? Then I can just, and, and you know, sometimes bad things happen to us, right? Bad things happen to good people. And I can just go, okay, well, that really sucks. But you know what? I still win. In the end, I still win. And Jesus wins because I know the outcome. And by the way, next weekend I'm going to talk about can I really trust my Bible? That's crucial. I'd come back and learn some things about that because, because the Bible's under attack today. And, and so you want to have the confidence that the Bible is actually the Word of God so that everything I'm saying today is true, right? So I'm just living a life that is measured on the fact that I've read the last chapter, the last book, and I know that in the end, because Jesus came out from that grave, resurrected, and now is on the right hand of God the Father, I know that the outcome for your life, I can predict this, the outcome for your life, if you believe that, is all good. And I can say this to you, without any reservation because of that truth, your best days are yet to come. Your best days are yet to come because God is on the throne and he has the outcome already planned. And so with that in mind, I hope and pray that you will every day take a moment, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you'll just stop and reflect on the fact that God, God is in control. For yours is the kingdom and the power, the glory forever. So my challenge to you today is simply this, is that why don't you take these six issues? I have a double dog dare for you. <laughs> I do. I have a double dog dare for you. I double dog dare you to take these six issues, abandon how you're praying today, take these six issues, and every day take 10 minutes and walk, you through, walk yourself through each one of these ten issue, or six issues. And did I say 10? I meant six. I'm old, you know, I can say that, you know. Shane is young, he can't say those things. I'm old, I can say them. Those six issues, and I, I just, I challenge you. I'm in your face right now challenging you, and I promise you that your life will look different next year, right now, than it does today. It will look different if you learn Jesus's model of prayer as opposed to our own method. Would you take that challenge? Look me in the eyes. No, no lying here. You can't lie to me. This is, this is the truth right now. This is truth time. Ten minutes. I'm asking for ten minutes a day. Six issues. Six powerful issues. And you just work them through every day. Our Father, the one who is in heaven, Holy is your name. God, I worship you today. I praise you today. I just give you honor. I give you glory. Thank you for the fact that I can call you Father. And Father, and by the way, you can bring your list to God too. But that's not the focus. The focuses are on these six issues. 
And as you work through every one, I just gave you one. I just showed you and modeled one for you. But if you do every single one of those things, I promise you that you'll see outcome in your life. And the outcome is called the power of God. The power of God. I want to remind you of something that I started with. Jesus didn't teach his disciples how to preach. He taught them how to pray. These aren't words to be repeated mindlessly. These are issues that we bring before our Father in heaven every day. Father, I am so grateful for the opportunity today to talk about your word. And I pray that your spirit will take my words and use them for your honor and your glory. I thank you for the privilege of speaking today on your behalf, Jesus. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, my Savior, and for his glory. Amen.